0: Indian Lake, WXLQ, Bristol, Vermont, and WNYV, Whitehall, Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock.
1: Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, November 30th. I'm Monica Sandresky.
0: And I'm Todd Mo.
1: The St. Regis Mohawk tribe wants to bring more tourists to Aquasasne, So Akwesasne Travel is training local artists and entrepreneurs to teach Mohawk culture for tours.
2: We want people to always be in the front row, able to ask questions or hear every word that's said We're sharing some language, uh, Mohawk language, and we don't want that to go over someone's head because they weren't standing close enough.
0: Veterinarians are urging dog owners to look out for a respiratory illness that has sickened dogs in several states, but not New York so far. And a couple in Lowville has turned the old county jail into a cafe.
3: It would certainly be a lot easier and cheaper to build from scratch, but we really want to see an old space being used and
1: given new life also we'll meet the lo-fi band performing in burlington tomorrow night petite league is a treasure trove of catchy melodies and nostalgia infused lyrics music and conversation coming up on northern light stick with us
0: Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Gray and & Gray and & Associates, CPAs, an accounting and financial services firm in northern New York with offices in Canton, Potsdam, and Spring Hill, Florida, graycpas.com. And by com and com, presenting daily updated news on public policy, environmental issues, and local communities in the Adirondack Park.
1: This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski.
0: And I'm Todd Moe. Burlington police have arrested and charged a man for shooting and seriously injuring three Palestinian college students over the weekend. 48-year-old Jason Eaton was arrested last Sunday and pleaded not guilty to three counts of attempted murder. The three University of Vermont students were spending Thanksgiving break in Burlington and went out for a walk Saturday night when they say a white man with a handgun approached them and started shooting. All three are being treated at the UVM Medical Center. The U.S. Justice Department and Vermont state officials are investigating whether the shooting was a hate crime as tensions rise in the U.S. over the Israel-Hamas war.
1: An environmental group in the Thousand Islands says it has concerns about the St. Lawrence Seaway's scheduled closing date in January. Catherine Wheeler reports. The
4: Shipping Channel's St. Lawrence River section from Montreal to Lake Ontario is scheduled to close for the season on January 5th. Typically, the Seaway closes around the end of December. The environmental group Save the River says keeping the Seaway open longer creates more risks.
5: It's much harder to operate safely out there in icing conditions. It's colder. It's harder for the people.
4: That's Save the River's Executive Director John Peach. Peach says ice builds up on the shoreline quickly and any spilled material could be trapped under ice and couldn't be cleaned up until it melts.
5: But If you have a spill and the contaminants, the pollution get underneath the ice, there's not good technology that's out there on cleaning up underneath the ice.
4: Peach says there's also more safety risks for first responders if there was an accident.
5: As you start to operate in these cold weather and icing and snowy conditions... It gets hazardous to launch a small boat and to get people into a small boat and to get out to the ship. Working off docks when docks are icy is a problem.
4: Peach says Save the River has sent a letter to the Seaway's administrator. He says they want the Seaway to ask shippers with empty or small loads to combine loads to get product in and out faster.
5: If they could use their contacts to get the shippers to combine the loads to get the the loads shipped earlier rather than right at the end of December and January, that would allow us to get to an earlier closing date.
4: This is the Seaway's latest scheduled closure since it opened in 1959. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio.
0: Officials from the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Seaway Development Corporation say they take safety and environmental conditions when they decide on the closure date. They say the Canadian Seaway worker strike is one reason they decided to extend the shipping season this year. The strike in October shut the Seaway down for a week. Officials say keeping the Seaway open longer will help offset economic impacts.
1: Veterinarians are urging pet owners to watch for signs of respiratory illness in their dogs. A mysterious, sometimes fatal illness has been reported in several states, but not in New York yet, says Dr. Brian Collins with Cornell University's College of Veterinary Medicine.
5: In our area, we're not yet aware of a similar outbreak, but it's something that we're needing to keep track of.
1: Collins says it's not clear if the illnesses are all resulting from the same disease. There won't be definitive answers until more laboratory testing is done. For now, Collins says dogs that are coughing, lethargic, or having trouble breathing should be seen by a veterinarian.
5: Because we do have a heightened awareness and concern right now around the country, we do think that early testing and treatment are going to make a big difference in the outcome for these dogs.
1: So far, the illness has been seen in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Oregon, and Colorado.
0: Drivers who speed in work zones on state highways could now receive automated tickets. North Country Now reports it's a five-year effort between the state's Department of Transportation and the Transit Authority to increase safety and slow cars down in work zones. Officials say there will be clear signage in construction zones to show when the program is in use. After a warning period, tickets will be sent to in the e- in the mail. Drivers will be fined $50 for a first violation. Drivers who are issued tickets will be able to contest them. Other states have outlawed or put limits on similar automated ticketing programs because of concerns about constitutionality. Some officials have also criticized the ticketing method for putting the fine on who the car is registered to instead of the driver. Some cameras are already active. ...here in the North Country on I-87.
1: And a North Country politician and former New York State Democratic Party chairman died this week. John Sullivan was 76 years old. The Watertown Daily Times reports Sullivan was involved in local and state politics throughout the region during his life. After growing up in Oswego, he graduated from SUNY Oswego and from Syracuse University with a law degree. At 23, he was the youngest county legislator ever elected in Oswego County... Sullivan was mayor of Oswego in the late 1980s and early 90s. He and his late wife were part of creating Oswego's Harbor Fest that now draws an estimated 75,000 people to the area annually. He served as a co-chairman of the state's Democratic Party in the 90s. Later, Sullivan was based in Watertown where he served Jefferson, Lewis, and St. Lawrence Counties. As an assistant state attorney general, he maintained a law practice in Oswego for almost 30 years. Sullivan's funeral will be held in Oswego next Monday.
0: Most people love pastries, and many of us need coffee to function. The cafe is a natural combination, especially for one Lowville couple, a baker and a coffee roaster. Anna Williams-Bergen has this North Country at Work story.
6: Most people don't want to go to jail, but in Lauville, there's one exception. St. Drogo's Cafe and Bakehouse, a sheriff's residence and jail-turned-coffee-bar with pastries.
3: It is a jail, so there are, there's a lot of metal and cement everywhere. They actually built the jail
6: cells first and then built the building around it. That's Vanessa Gilbert. She and her husband, Scott, own St. Drogo's. They also run Tug Hill Artisan Roasters, where they roast specialty coffee in the same building. Scott started roasting coffee in 2016, working out of a two-room shed. Around the same time, Vanessa was baking out of their kitchen and selling at farmer's markets.
3: And as far as baking bread, that was just something that I thought I could do as a stay-at-home mom.
6: They wanted to merge the businesses and open a cafe, so they started looking for a space. In 2020, they found the Old County Jail. It's a big, two-story brick building built in 1864. And Gilbert says it's a great location, right in Lowville's downtown core with a big lawn.
3: And it was a little bit of a process to figure out if we could even purchase the building just because it was full of lead and asbestos. So um, thus began the long journey of grant writing and trying to figure it all out.
6: After lots of repair work, the lead and asbestos are gone. And they finally moved in in last February. Now they have a commercial kitchen for baking, a roasting setup, and the cafe space. They're still working on renovations. Only about a third of the building is finished.
3: It would certainly be a lot easier and cheaper to build from scratch, but we really want to see an old space being used and
6: given new life. The ultimate vision is a full-service cafe with sandwiches plus commercial space for other businesses. They are keeping a close eye on their carbon footprint with an afterburn system that eliminates roasting emissions. They plan to add a heat pump and a high-speed EV charger to their parking lot, which could help bring people traveling through to their business.
3: It takes some creativity to be able to run a small business in a small
6: town. Gilbert says diversity has been a big part of their success. In addition to the cafe, they have a mobile coffee truck and do lots of wholesale. Picture sheets of pastries and kegs of cold brew.
3: We have like five different delivery routes that go all throughout the North Country. So we've got to get our product outside of this area to have a growing viable business.
6: It helps that their products are pretty rare in rural Lewis County. Vanessa Gilbert bakes fresh sourdough, a dense, dark Russian bread and gluten-free loaves, all of which are hard to come by in the area the coffee they roast is specialty grade. That means it scores really high on a quality grading system. There's also a big emphasis on direct trade with growers. So that you have less
3: middlemen in between where that seed is coming from and where it's being roasted.
6: Gilbert describes her husband as a forever student. With coffee, there's always something new to learn or perfect, like the exact roasting time a bean needs.
3: When you're getting a really high-quality bean that has been harvested very carefully and processed in unique ways you are wanting to roast it in such a way that all those unique flavors are coming out and the longer you roast it the more you
6: essentially kind of cook out of it in the bakery vanessa gilbert is also big on improving her craft
3: laminating croissant dough has become a passion and an obsession (laughs) so i love butter and everything with pastries is so much better with butter
6: She says the best part of baking is seeing people react to what she makes. She wants to share that passion with people through St. Drogo's Cafe and Bakehouse.
3: It's kind of like we're opening up our home to people. They come in, they come into the bakery, and the self-serve area is right in the middle of where we're baking bread. So you can look over and you can see a loaf of challah being braided, or you can see the sourdough rising. So it's, it's kind of a cool experience to be in the space and see where the food is really coming from.
6: Vanessa Gilbert says that for her, that relationship between producer and consumer is at the forefront. For North Country Public Radio's North Country at Work project, I'm Anna Williams-Bergen in Lauville.
1: North Country at Work is a long-running project of NCPR that collects photos and stories about working life in our region. If you have a work story you'd like to share, email us, work at ncpr.org. Funding for the project is provided in part by the New York State Department of Education.
0: You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio, 14 minutes past eight. Good morning, I'm Todd Moe.
1: And I'm Monica Sandresky. Just ahead, music and conversation with the lo-fi band Petite League coming up in a few minutes right here on Northern Light.
0: music from Watertown by Mark Corey. Broadcast of Northern Light is supported by Cronin's Golf Resort, a regional destination for golf dining, lodging in the southern adirondacks details at cronansgolfresort.com
1: The St. Regis Mohawk Tribe wants to bring more tourists to Akwesasne. Akwesasne Travel is designing tours to show off the community on its own terms by training local artists and entrepreneurs to teach Mohawk culture. We hear from Catherine Wheeler again on how they're breaking stereotypes about indigenous people and educating visitors.
4: It's a warm September day on the St. Lawrence River. The sky is blue and the sun sparkles off the water. A small group of people step onto a pontoon, hair blowing in the wind.
2: So welcome everyone to Mohawk Journeys. Uh, My name is Chessie and I'll be your tour guide today.
4: Chessie Thomas owns Mohawk Journeys. It's a boat tour company that offers fun days out on the water with family or friends, and now cultural cruises. A travel writer from Messina, a tour guide from New York City, and some St. Lawrence University officials all sit on the boat, taking in aquasasne from the water. It's part of a familiarization tour Aquasne Travel planned to practice new tours they've been working on. Getting on a boat is a common way to show visitors the community.
2: On the right, this is Cornwall Island.
4: We glide so right along the international border and start learning about the history of Aquasasne. Thomas points out the St. Lawrence Seaway shipping channel in the distance. Centuries before the seaway was dredged, there was more land, and it was an area where Mohawks and Europeans would frequently meet.
2: You also have to remember this land has changed with the seaway. They came in and they dug this all out to be able to create this. So this was not here way back then. This was land where people's homes were.
4: Thomas shouts out any landmark that she has a story about. It's nearly constant. From random local trivia...
2: This island right here used to have goats on it. First there was two goats, then there was like...
4: To how seaway freighters' wakes are eroding the coastline.
2: We're losing a lot of land each year with bigger boats, no wake zones, things like that.
4: This is exactly how Aquasazne Travel wants visitors to learn about who the Mohawk are. We're really...
2: A place of connections.
4: That's Randy Barrero. She's Aquasazane Travel's marketing specialist.
2: Whether you're talking about how the river connects the two countries together, whether you're talking about how the people connect with each other or the land or the water.
4: Aquasazene Travel is the tourism arm of the St. Regis Mohawk tribe. Three years ago, the group created cultural tours to educate visitors about Aquasasne on the community's own terms. Barrero says that means highlighting locals like the experts they are.
2: It's very important to show what our community is capable of. We have so many entrepreneurs and business owners in our community that it feels like a natural progression to develop something to invite people who want to learn more about us and involve the people who do these things for a living.
4: The tours are hands-on. You can weave black ash baskets with an award-winning basket maker. You can see how a traditional lacrosse stick is made. You can hear the Mohawk creation story in the museum. Barrero says the tours are meant for small groups. They want visitors to walk away, having been an active part of the experience.
2: We want people to always be in the front row, able to ask questions or hear every word that's said, We're sharing some language, uh, Mohawk language, and we don't want that to go over someone's head because they weren't standing close enough.
4: Latoya Rourke builds the tours from the ground up. As Akwesasne Travel's training manager, she teaches artists and business owners to become tour hosts.
2: I always say it almost feels like counseling.
4: At first, because they don't see the value in themselves yet. Sometimes it's starting with an artist who's never sold their work at a market. Or it's an established business owner learning how to demonstrate their craft. Work says she teaches them how to do it all. Craft their stories for tours, pricing, and marketing. She says it's rewarding to see her neighbors grow.
2: When they're in this first phase where you're still empowering them to see the value in themselves as an artist, and then when you see them start doing tours, it's almost like they're your family and you're seeing them grow. It's good to see them be proud of who they are and what they do and the work they do.
4: And work says the tour hosts are paid for all of their work, so they know their value. Kelly Back owns Fireloom Creations. She makes custom beaded loom belts, Gostoa headbands for ceremonies, and more. One day, she heard Rourke was looking for new tours and got in touch with her.
2: And she's like, you know what? We were thinking of you, hoping you would come to us. Let's start. And I said, okay.
4: Back hosts the tours in her backyard. During them, she shares her Mohawk name, Jelly Wayas, and how her business grew out of making a belt and a headband for her husband on their wedding day. I have a little loom kit all set up for them and all the materials that they need. While she teaches the visitors how to loom a two-row wampum belt, she explains why they're making this design and the evolution of the materials and beads used to make the belts. We help them finish it so that it becomes a bracelet for them. So they get a little piece to take home that they've made on their own. Vax says the community benefits when they're able to share these parts of their culture. I feel like it's an honorable position to be a host and a teacher of something to do with our culture. I I really find that's a pretty big honor and fun at the same time because it's something I love to do. And I get to do it in my own home, in my backyard, with my family. I mean...
6: Can't get any better than
4: that. Rourke says Aquasazne Travel isn't following a blueprint for growing their tourism economy. She says they're doing it the right way, putting their community first and providing meaningful support to budding and established entrepreneurs. She says building the cultural tours is about taking back their power.
2: A lot of times First Nation or tribal communities, the narrative that's being told isn't always told by us firsthand. And a lot of times it's negative, right? It's the negative part of our community. And every community has that. Every place or town or state has that. But it shouldn't always be spotlighted. And we have so much great cultural experiences
4: and stories to be told. Barrero says Aquasai's Night Travel is a part of working on plans to create a cultural center and museum, a bigger space to house art where the community and visitors can come and learn about the Mohawk past and present. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio in Aquasasne.
0: You're listening to Northern Lights right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe.
1: And I'm Monica Sandresky. Coming up in just a minute, music and conversation with one of the groups performing in Burlington this weekend. After that, on Bird Note, it's nature recordist Juan Pablo Colasso on making parks and trails more inclusive to people who are visually impaired. That's coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us.
0: The uh, weather service has uh, gradual uh, clearing skies. We have some morning clouds, but uh, gradually becoming mostly sunny today. Highs ranging from the mid-30s into the low 40s. And southwest winds uh, 5 to 15 miles per hour. Higher gusts at times uh, this afternoon and tonight. Then tomorrow, maybe some rain or snow showers. Uh, snow showers likely in some of the higher elevations, a high near 40 on Friday. And looks like mixed precipitation through the weekend with uh, some snow showers in the... Late night, early morning hours, and then rain showers in the afternoon, uh, highs this weekend in the, uh, the low 40s in the afternoons and uh, low 30s overnight. Looks like that chance of a wintry mix continuing into the early part of next week as well. Right on Canton, clouds and 35 degrees.
1: An indie band with roots in the Syracuse DIY scene of the mid-2010s plays Burlington tomorrow night. NCPR's Doyle Dean recently caught up with Lorenzo Cook from the band Petite League, now based in Brooklyn. He asked Cook how the group translates its bedroom pop sound to the stage.
7: It's different because a lot of the, the writing process I do on my own, the recording I usually just do late at night in my apartment. Um, And that's kind of how it all began. I was just doing that in college. Lived with all these guys that we play with um, for, and I've known them for like a decade. So when we started playing out, uh, like I think we started playing shows in 2015. So right when it started, it was automatically like bringing in their sensibilities to the live thing. So a little bit, I'd say, like the difference between the recordings and how we play live, it's a little bit heavier, a little bit more guitar-y, and it's cool. It's it's it's. A, I really like when bands are like that. They're a little different um, live versus you know the recordings. Um, although I think these days we've, we've reined it in a little bit. I think when we started, we were just like really fast. We played all the songs way too fast. They're already um, about
5: two and a half minutes long, most of them. So,
7: yeah. Yeah, so our shows are pretty short, but we've, we've definitely reined it in a bit and sort of uh, worked out some of like the dynamics and stuff better. I think the whole petite League thing is it's just kind of a raw thing. And so I think it's the recordings maybe are more a raw version of myself. And then as a band, it's all four of us. Oh, <laughs>
5: It's interesting that you say you record late at night and, and pretty much on your own. It really has that. I mean, there's just something, like I said, intimate about it. It just it feels like a message from you to the listener. Is that what you're aiming for? Or
7: I think so. I mean, it's just one of those things that I've always done it in a certain way. And it's kind of all I know. So I haven't really ever made music with the intention of it not feeling somewhat personal, personal and personalized.
5: Tell me a little bit about the cover. Um, You know, I got to say, I've been a Replacements fan for a really long time, and I never really cared much for that song. But hearing you play it, uh, it brought out something else that I had been missing, you know? Um, Yeah. Right. So what did did you learn about the song through covering it?
7: Uh, Man, structurally, pretty interesting. Like, uh, some of the, like, I'm, you know, I'm very used to, like, three-chord, three-chord, super simple, super simple. And not that the song isn't simple, but by listening to it over and over and playing it that way, there's a dissonance that you don't really pick up the first time you listen to it. It's it's a dark song. I was sort of living through what I imagine his experience was writing. Is like, how do I throw in a curveball here? How do I like keep this steady without it losing pace? And yeah, there's just a lot of... You really, really, really dive in deep into the song creation and you're sort of just picturing what that was like and right. comparing it to yourself and comparing it to how you would write it and I wouldn't have written that song that way I would have thought I mean, upon just being a fan of it I was like oh yeah this sounds like in my wheelhouse for sure and then actually sitting down with it you're like I would never have made this choice but it's interesting and I think it makes hopefully it's like a lesson learned and like a little tool bag that I can go back to at some point
5: So yeah let's hear Petite League's cover of The Replacements, Bastards of Young
1: That was Lorenzo Cook from the Brooklyn-based band Petite League speaking with Dean's List host Doyle Dean. The band plays a free show tomorrow at Foam Brewers in Burlington. They're joined by Albany's Bruiser and Bicycle and Burlington's own The Burning Sun. There's more information about the show on our website, ncpr.org and at ncpr.org slash Dean's List. And of course, don't forget to tune into the Dean's List every Monday afternoon from 3 to 5, only here on North Country Public Radio. That's it for the show. I'm Monica Sandreski.
0: And I'm Todd Mo. Be well.